may be seated. Amen. Let's get our Bibles out. Turn to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis 16. And you just sat down, but we're going to stand again. There's not a whole lot of intro to the message tonight. Let's stand together. Genesis chapter 16. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter. It says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes, the Lord judge between me and thee. And Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand, do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I will flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child and shalt bear a son and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called Beerle Roy, which behold, it is between Kadesh and Barad, and Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old. When Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Tonight we're going to be looking here in all of chapter 16 together. And the, and the title for tonight's message is Choices Have Consequences. Choices Have Consequences. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. God, the privilege that it is to be here together tonight. And God, I pray that you would be with us, Lord, as we're here in Genesis chapter 16. That you would give us what you have for, for us through it, God. That you'd be with me as I preach. Lord, I can preach your word clearly. And God, say exactly what you have for me to say. Lord, I pray that we can uh, be able to put anything aside on this Wednesday night with many busy things going on this week, things going on tomorrow, Friday, this weekend. But God, I pray that we can put those things to the side tonight so we can receive everything you have for us to receive. I pray that you be with us here in the auditorium, be with our children over in the the other building at this time. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. During World War II, the British Secret Service had broken the Nazi code that they had worked to try to do over and over again, and they were informed by doing that that the Germans were going to bomb a city called Coventry. And as they brought this news to Churchill, he had two alternatives as he found out that one of their cities is going to be bombed. They could, first of all, evacuate all the citizens from Coventry and save hundreds of lives at the expense of indicating to the Germans that they figured out the code. Or, secondly, they could take no action, and hundreds would be killed in that, but they would keep the information flowing 
and possibly save many more lives. And Churchill had to choose between those two things, and he, he was forced to make a painful choice, and he chose the second, and that city eventually was bombed. And as, as we see that, it's a sad thing to hear, but as we understand tonight, either way, that choice had a consequence. And as we look at our lives tonight, we need to understand, and we can look at our past mistakes or decisions we've made, and we all could raise our hands and say, yes, choices have consequences. As we look at the life of Abram, we, we see a man that made a choice to trust God and finally leave Ur. He trusted God through battles, he trusted God through trials, and that would have made many men turn around in defeat and return home. We saw mistakes made early on, we've seen mistakes made, we see a mistake made tonight, but we see a man that handled a situation right with his nephew Lot. He didn't take money from the king of Sodom, another decision, another choice he made that, that was right. He was reminded of his promises, and even though... He has made right choices, and even though he is growing in his faith, he is still made of sinful flesh, and there is still within him a pull towards the world and the allurements of the world. You know, we, we, we just read this text, and as we know the story, and as we know everything that's going on here, it kind of irritates us, just like if, as we read here about Abram, as we read the, a story of the children of Israel, often we are irritated at the mistakes they're making. You know, Sarah and Abram, they try to, you know, help God give them a son by having Abram take Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, as his wife. As, as we look at this, was this God's will? Is this what God wanted to happen? No. It wasn't God's will for their lives, but just like we do so often, it didn't stop them from doing that. And we see their decision being made and the choice that was made brought consequences for them that our world still deals with today. I want to remind you tonight, your choices have consequences. And you know, the first thing we're going to see is, as we look here tonight is that there is a reason for every choice that is made. There's a reason for every choice that is made. You know, I'm thankful for, for my pastor there in Indiana. He's been there for uh, 30, uh, what, 38 years at this point, right? 38 years this last week. And one thing I've heard him say many times is there is always a reason for wrongdoing. There's never an excuse for it. But there's always a reason for wrongdoing. And, and we could spend this entire message looking here in chapter 16, and we could find all kinds of reasons why they made this decision. But I, I just have three I want to point out to us tonight. The first reason they did this, first of all, is that they desired acceptance. They desired acceptance. You know, we, we've mentioned this a couple of times. In that society, it was considered a disgrace for a couple to be childless. And regardless of the reasons behind it, regardless of if it was a choice or if it was a physical problem, if a couple in those days had no children, they would be mocked, they would be looked down on, they would not be respected in society. And, and this was a society that also did not have a problem with, with multiple spouses. And if a man like Abram were to take Hagar as a concubine or a secondary wife, no one around would think anything of it. And if that concubine were to have a child, as, as they did, and it would be considered the child of the first or primary wife that Abram had, which it would be cons considered the child of Sarah. And then they could be, get the acceptance in the community that they had never had to that point. They lowered their standards because they desired acceptance. You know, many Christians are often guilty of doing the exact same thing. Many Christians are often guilty of lo lowering standards to those in the community around them so we can fit better or be more comfortable or be more accepted or not be looked at as, as weird or crazy or, or, or different than the world. But we need to understand that in order to please 
men, we have to reject God many times. And as a Christian, it is our duty, first of all, to live according to the word of God. And that means we are to do nothing contrary to the word of God. And there must be a clear line of demarcation between the Christians and the world around them. You know, we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 when the Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye what? Separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. There, there is instructions to us as Christians to not participate in the sins of the world, not to give in, not to compromise, not, not, not to, to do things just to be accepted by the world that are displeasing to God. And we need to make sure as individuals we are doing everything we can, making sure the decisions we are making are not for acceptance from the world or acceptance from our peers or from coworkers or, or other family members even, but it is to be in the will of God above anything else. And if, and if it being in a place of, uh, where you are accepted by the world or someone that you care about gets you out of the will of God, it is not a choice that needs to be made. They desired acceptance. That's the first reason. The second reason we find tonight is they had scars from sin. Scars from sin. You know, we, we look here in verse 1. It says she had a handmaid. What, what do we know about her? What's the next two words? And what? Egyptian. You know, the Bible tells us Hagar was an Egyptian. Do you remember who was in Egypt years before this? Abram and Sarah. And, and why were they in Egypt before this? Because instead of looking to God for help in a drought, they decided to leave the land God had told them to go to, to go to Egypt where everything was going great. They chose themselves over God. They made a choice that wasn't the right choice. We saw God bless them in that. We saw them leave Egypt with more than they, they came with. And one of the things they came back with from Egypt was a handmaid named Hagar. She's part of the possessions that was brought back. You know, Abram had, if he had never journeyed to that country, there would have never been a Hagar to marry. There would have never been a Hagar to have, have a, a, a child with. And he is still reaping from the harvest sowed there in Egypt. I think you guys have heard a few stories about me. I've had many trips to the emergency room in my lifetime. I remember uh, there was one bef that before I remember when I, I broke my head open on a, a dresser in my parents' room. I broke my head open on a fireplace. I've, ha I've been in a car accident. I, have, I had 24 staples here in the back of my head. I had 16 here when in a, playing basketball with teenagers about 10 years ago. I've got both hands. I've had surgeries on. I've, I have all kinds of different injuries uh, from, from different uh, clumsy things or stupid decisions I made as a young kid. And from those injuries, I have scars. You know, when, when we sin, there, are, there is always a scar left. When we sin, those, many times those consequences are just going to be carried with us the rest of our life. And, and God can use those things for good. But often, we look, sometimes those scars that we have because of sin are just reminders of the decisions we've made out of the will of God. There's always a reminder, some evidence of where we once were, just as Abram and Sarah had that evidence of Hagar. That is the law of sowing and reaping. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, what? That shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You see a bad consequence, so we see good consequence. 
If, if we sow things in the Spirit, good things come from that. If we live in the Spirit, good things come from that. But if we live in the flesh, that's where scars come from. That, that's where uh, mistakes are made. And we, and we see these people that had scars from sin. We see they, had, they desired acceptance. They had scars from sin. The third reason they made this choice is that they had a lack of faith in God's promises again. You know, we just went through chapter 15 and we were reminded, God reminded Abram of what exactly he had in store for them. God reminded him, God gave him even more clear details of what was going to happen. And, and, and Abram said, is, is my uh, servant, is he my heir? No, and God said, no, you, it's going to be your flesh, your blood. And we were reminded of God's great promise to Abram. And when the promise was given, Abram responded in faith. You know, but as we get here in chapter 16, we don't know exactly how much time has, has come and gone in the last two chapters, but as the time has come and gone, there's a little bit of impatience here to a point to where Abram and Sarah have both begun to doubt. And Abram and Sarah made a decision that God needed help in fulfilling his promise. Now, after all, God's the one that said Abram would be a father to a son. But, you know, mate, God didn't say exactly uh, what woman would, would be the mother of that son? Maybe they, 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 you know, they looked at it and it made a little bit of sense to them. They could help God out here and, and begin to get this thing moving. You know, doubt towards the Bible and doubt towards the promises of God account for more of our problems than anything else in our life. <laughs> think of many mistakes I've made, many bad decisions I've made in my life, and many of them have been made when I am not listening, when I'm either doubting the Bible or not looking for the will of God in my life, not trusting God and his promises. You know, in our life, as, as different things happen, as trials come, as, as temptations come, as difficulties may come, we may not always understand what God is doing or how he is doing it or when he's going to do it. But here's what we do know about the promises of God. The first thing we know is that God always keeps his word. We have proof of that in the word of God. We can look at the life of Abram. God did exactly what he said he would do for Abram. Even when difficult decisions were made, even when wrong choices were made, God still is going to bless Abram. You know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it is impossible for God to lie. So if it's impossible for God to lie, then that means that anything that God said will happen will happen. Because if they don't happen, what does that make our God? Makes him a liar. So one thing we can take to the bank tonight, one thing we can understand and hold to is that God always keeps his word. The second thing we can understand about the promises of God is that God is a, a God of order and he doesn't run on our schedule. You know, God will keep his promises. God is not a God that will lie. God is a God of order. We look at this world we live in, we have proof of that. But he will do things in his time. You know, men needed a Savior for 4,000 years before Jesus came. They needed him for longer than that, but for 4,000 years they, 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 they were dealing with the, this thought of the, of the Lamb. And, and God had sent Jesus, as the Bible says in Galatians, in the fullness of time. The fullness of time. You know, God doesn't need our help to accomplish his will. God always keeps his word. God is a God of order. He runs in his time, and he doesn't need our help to accomplish his will. You know what God told the psalmist in Psalm 50? He says, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee. <laughs> he says, if I need something, I'm not going to tell you. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. 
So God doesn't need me to get his will done. God doesn't need you to get his will done. And when it comes to God's will for your life, God can work whatever calling he's brought in your life, whatever thing he desires to come to pass in his way, in his time. And he doesn't need us to take things into our own hands. Which brings us to our, our second point tonight. The first thing we see is there's a reason for every bad choice made. And secondly tonight, bad choices are made when we take things into our own hands. And so we look here in verse 4 and we begin to see what started to happen. The action comes. And as we, as we look at the three people involved, we have Abram. We have Sarah, and then we have the handmaid, Hagar. And all three in, the, in, all three in the situation reacted differently to the situation. And as, as things happened, none of the responses were good. But all three reactions of, of what was coming of this are natural reactions of the flesh. And the first thing we see as we look at verse 6, they realize they made a mistake. And it says there in verse 6, but Abram said unto Sarah, behold, Thy maid is in thy hand, do to her as it pleaseth thee. He said, it's not my problem. So the choice that Abram made in this, in this sin that happened, in this problem that arose because of their sin, because of their choice, was neglect. You know, he tried to pretend that there wasn't any problem. And that if there was a problem, it was not his problem. It was Sarah's to deal with. And he totally ignored his responsibility in the whole situation. And many people in this world, many Christians, will try to deal with their problems by simply ignoring them. And I want to tell you tonight, when problems arise, when difficulties come, ignoring it does not take care of anything. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it hasn't happened. It doesn't mean that that consequence isn't there, and, and, and it doesn't mean things are settled, but what happens is it leaves that problem to settle, and it will grow into a bigger problem in a short amount of time. I want you to look at 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 13. As you look at this account, we remember what happened here. We see the son of, of, of David, Absalom, had a sister named Tamar, David's daughter. And Amnon, the son of David, the other son, loved his sister. And he was so obsessed with his sister that he did vile things with her. And he, and he had a, a friend that, that tried to uh, tell him, says, he says there in verse 4, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Abnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And he told them what to do with her. And then we look there in verse 7, after the act was done, it says, Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down, and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in the side and, and did bake the cakes. And, and we see everything that continues on here. You see all these problems coming to pass. And as we read this whole chapter, we're not going to for time's sake. But we see David ignoring a problem of Amnon and Tamar until the problem grew to a point where Absalom, his son, took matters into his own hands and killed his own brother. 
more wrong being done. So David, if he would have been active in the situation, could have stepped in and stopped that at any point. But we don't find that happening in that chapter. If you read that later, you will find just that. There's neglect. You know, whether it be a problem in our home, whether it be a problem in the job, the community, a, a, a school, or in the church, it must be confronted and dealt with or it will get out of hand. I've experienced those, those things in my life. I've experienced it in my family. I've, I've seen it, it growing up. When problems are ignored, all it does is leave the door open for more problems. And, and if we are to handle things the way God would have us to deal with them, neglect is not one of those things. And I want to tell you tonight as a pastor, if problems arise in the church or, or if sin is uncovered in the church, we must deal with it biblically. Neglect is not the way, but that's what Abram chose. So we see Abram choosing neglect. Then we see Sarah. How did Sarah deal with this problem? We see her dealing with this problem with wrath. Look at verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. Then we looked at in verse 6. How did Sarah deal with, with Hagar? She dealt hardly with her. To a point to where she was scared to death. Sarah was miserable because, of the, because of, the, of the pride of Hagar. So she tried to make everyone else around her miserable too. And not only was Sarah being wrathful towards Hagar. Sarah was being wrathful towards Abram. She tried to blame Hagar for the problem. She, she dragged God into the problem. We see that, that phrase that we, we know so often. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. We see Sarah causing these problems throughout the whole household. But there's many people, as we look at Sarah tonight, that will deal with problems of life with a similar attitude. If they are unhappy, they want everybody else around them to be unhappy. If they're miserable, they want everybody else around them to be miserable. If they are grouchy, they will be mean-spirited, they will be short-tempered, they will become hard to get along with. But if you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, that is not the Christ-like response to any type of trouble. That is not the Christ-like response to, to handling problems, unbiblical problems for, for God, trying to take care of it. As a, as a pastor, as a, as, a, as a church member, a deacon, trustee, whatever you may be, a, a Sunday school teacher, a servant here in the church, whatever you do, we must deal with sin in the right way. We, we need to speak the truth. We need to handle problems, but we need to handle problems with still doing it with the love of God. Speaking the truth in love, as the Bible says. Because if we are dealing with anything with a spirit of wrath, that is not a Christ-like response. What does the Bible tell us are fruits of the Spirit in Galatians? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Wrath doesn't fall into that. We can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and what do we find about love? We, we, we see charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself, what? Unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Then what does it do? Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And then he reminds us, charity never faileth. A Christ-like response is not wrath. We can deal with sin, we can deal with problems with a spirit of love while still obtaining the fruits of the Spirit. 
We need to learn to handle the problems of life without attaching others or attempting to make other people as miserable as we are. So we see Abram making the choice of neglect. We see Sarah making the choice of handling it with wrath. Then what do we see with Hagar? What does it say there at the end of verse 6? She fled from her face. She got out of there. So Hagar chose to run from the trouble. She decided that the answer to her problem was running away, so she packed up and she left to get away from the problem. And that is the most common response of Christians as well. We see many people, when, when problems arise in a church, many people, in seeking a solution, will just seek a new church. When problems arise on a job, many don't seek a solution, many don't try to fix it, many just find a new job. When problems rise in a marriage, things don't work out, they don't, many don't try to seek a solution or, or to work it out, they will just find themselves a new husband or a new wife. What, what do we find in the Bible that's similar to this? We can look in the, in the, in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. And we find 12 men going to look at a land that God had given them. But as they found it, what did they see? They saw giants. They saw things that scared them, things that brought fear to their life. And, they, and what did they do? They ran from it. But before they could claim the land, those giants, those enemies they saw had to be faced and defeated. We find that in Deuteronomy chapter 9. The problem still had to be dealt with. And when we flee from our problems, those problems aren't going to go away. Those problems aren't going to be fixed. We must confront those problems and, and look to those things and handle them biblically. And sometimes there's an ugly ending in doing that. I'm not saying that. There won't be. But we must make sure we handle them God's way and trust God to work out the, the situation, whether it's going to be a pleasant one or an unpleasant one, for his good and for his glory. So what, what did we see Abram neglected it. Sarah was full of wrath and anger. We see Hagar running from the problem. But what did God do in the situation? Look at verse 9. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hand. God made it very clear that Hagar needed to go back to the family. And as ugly as the situation was, God was going to use that situation to help each of those three people learn to face their problems his way. Abram had to face it. He couldn't neglect it anymore. Sarah had to deal with it. She had to get over the wrath. And Hagar had to live in it. You know, God's desire tonight isn't simply just wanting to make you happy. God wants you to be holy. And facing your problems is one way of accomplishing that very thing. If sin is not confronted, we cannot be holy. If we regard iniquity in our heart, what does the Bible tell us? The Lord will not what? Hear me. So we see choices have consequences. The first thing, there is a reason for every choice that is made. The second thing, we just dealt with it. Bad choices come when we take problems into our own hands. Third thing, the consequences of bad choices are often inescapable. The consequences are often inescapable. 
You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. The book of Numbers says, be sure your sin will find you out. Sin often is going to be followed by trouble or trials. And as we look at the situation tonight in the book of Genesis, it's, it's no different. And as we look here in verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael. Behold, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. That's every mother's dream to hear that, those details about her child, isn't it? No. So there's going to be hardship. The consequence of this choice was that Ishmael was going to be a difficult, wild man. They had trouble with him. He would be difficult to handle. He was going to be aggressive toward other people. And as we make application from that tonight, he represents the difficulties that come when sin is allowed to keep us from doing exactly what God's will is for our life. We just spoke about the consequences of it. What does it say? Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And as Ishmael grew, the tension surrounding him grew as well. And the tension surrounding this family grew as well. It was, it was a difficult relationship. And the sin of Abram and Sarah, even after many years, continued to bring them heartache and trouble in the home. And I want to tell you tonight, your sin, no matter how small or how insignificant you may think it is, will affect you and those around you. I think all of us can think of, of, of different times, maybe in this past month, where we've sinned against God. And I'm not saying it had to be a, a, um, one of those things we would call a major sin. But all of us have, have, have sinned somewhat recently and made a decision, whether it was just to be angry at something or not treat somebody right or not do what it is God wanted us to do. And as you sin, what happens to your spirit? There's consequences to that. Your relationship with God isn't what it needs to be. God doesn't hear your prayer as, as you desire him to. Those days where you, where you sin, those days where you make a choice against God, that, that joy that can be there and is often there is often gone on those days, isn't it? And sin, no matter how small or insignificant we may think it is, will not only affect you, it'll affect your family. It'll affect those you work with. It will affect this church. It will poison your spirit. It can sabotage your relationships. It can hinder your walk with God. And many people, many Christians are living in this world tonight burdened because of hidden sins in life or hidden sins in the family. And the answer to the sin is not to conceal it, not to cover it up, not to act like it's not there. The, the answer to sin is to bring it into the light. We look in the book of Proverbs, chapter 28, verse 13. It says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. That's a definite thing. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And if there's sin in your life, it needs to be brought to light. If there's sin in the home or there's problems in the relationship because of sin, it needs to be brought to light. It needs to be confronted. It needs to be handled. Or we can never expect peace from God. We can never expect blessings from God. Sin cannot live when it's brought out of the darkness into the light of God. Look at John chapter 3.
John chapter 3, verse 19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Verse 21, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. That is how sin should be handled. That is what God does when sin is brought to him. God, the Bible tells us in the book of 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that will never happen if it's covered up. It will only continue to bring hardship. We see this, this choice of sin that was, that was brought before them, brought hardship, but it also brought the undeserved blessings or the undeserved working of God. We look there in verse 10 through 12, and we see what's, what's happening with them, but we also see that even though this, this, this sin was accomplished by the will of men, it was going to be used in God's plan. And everybody involved in what is going on here could not see how it was going to play out in the rest of history. And much of the trouble that the world is dealing with tonight, especially in the Arab world, is a result of Abram's sin with Hagar. And the Arabs, they figure heavily in God's plan for the end time events. And, and we see, as we look at this, we understand nothing catches God by surprise. And God can take the worst of our failures, the worst of our choices, and still use them for his glory. Is that an excuse for evil? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What does the Bible say? God forbid. No. It's not an excuse. But I'm thankful that we have a, a God as, a, a, that is not only sovereign, but a God that is full of grace and mercy. And that has promised us that he can work anything out for good to those who love him. You know, when sin is committed in your life, don't run from it. Don't hide it. Don't run from the problem. Instead, run to God and find the cleansing and forgiveness he offers. Eleanor Roosevelt, on, on the thought of choices, she said, One's philosophy is not best expressed in words. It is expressed in the choices one makes. In the long run, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves. The process never ends until we die. And the choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. Every choice we make is an important one. Every choice we make has consequences. It not only affects you, but affects other people. And as long as we are in our earthly bodies, as long as we are here tonight, as long as we are living the life that God has given us to live, there will be sins and there will be times where we, where we may respond badly to the trials or problems or temptations of life. But those bad decisions and the sins that may come in your life beyond this moment do not have to rule you. There's a place called the altar. There's a place at any moment of any day where you can find the help, forgiveness, and restoration that each and every one of us need. And as we look at Abram's life, we need to understand our choices have consequences. 
But we also can understand we have a God who keeps his promises. And a God who, that is full of grace that can work whatever choice you've made for good. But we have to turn to him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, I thank you for what you've done for us.